Okay, okay, we're going to get to the podcast in just one minute. But imagine I gave you the opportunity to invest in Microsoft, in Apple, in Tesla at its infancy. And now you made all this profit and it would be unbelievable. You'd be so thankful and so grateful. I believe that that day is today for Torch. Because for the next 36 hours, every donation you contribute at givetorch.net is doubled by our generous matchers, and you can come in at the ground floor. Yes, last year, over 1 million people enjoyed our podcasts. You as well, I hope. And I believe we can get to 10 million this year, but we need your help. It's only one day a year that we ask. We need your contribution. We need your partnership. We love your partnership and your friendship. Please contribute at givetorch.net, givetorch.net. Every dollar is matched. I apologize for taking your time. Thank you so much in advance for your support. Enjoy this episode. You are listening to Rabbi Arya Wolby of Torch in Houston, Texas. This is the Parsha Review Podcast. All right, welcome back everybody to the weekly Parsha Review. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Akev. Akev is the third portion in the book of Deuteronomy, Devarim and the 46th portion since the beginning of the Torah. There are 111 verses, 1,747 words, and 6,865 letters. There are eight mitzvahs, six performative mitzvahs, and two prohibitions. So this week is a really phenomenal parsha, and we say this every week, but you know, if you look at the entire Torah, and we mentioned previously that the book of Deuteronomy is a review of the entire Torah, and many of the mitzvahs that were commanded in the book of Deuteronomy are a review of different commandments that we were already commanded in the Torah. Over a hundred commandments are repeated in this book of Deuteronomy. Now, what's very important for us to know is that when you think of the big things that are written in the Torah, many of them are in this week's Parsha. This week's Parsha. Very, very essential for us to really have a good grasp and a good understanding on what is written in this week's Parsha. So we begin with Moshe. Again, the entire Parsha is a review, and Moshe is reminding the people, again, this is the last 36 days of Moshe's life, the entire book of Devarim, the entire book of Deuteronomy, is the last 36 days of Moshe's life. Moshe is giving his parting words. He's giving the guidance. He's giving the direction for the people for when they get into the land of Israel after he passes. And he's giving them guidance. And what he's going to be doing this entire parsha is going to be reminding them, you remember this and you remember that and you remember this and you remember that. Don't make those same mistakes again. Okay, so it begins as follows. Moshe shears the great reward promised for those who followed the commandments of Hashem and encourages the nation to have complete confidence in Hashem's protection. Hashem will love you and bless your offspring, your flocks, your land, and crops. Hashem will remove all illness and deliver your enemies, even larger nations, in your hands, like he did with Og, like he did with other great, mighty nations. You'll be the most blessed of the nations on earth. Remember, this is a promise that Hashem promised each and every one of us. We will be the most blessed nation on earth. Moshe encourages the nation to have complete confidence in Hashem's protection and reassures the people 
that just as Hashem delivered the Egyptians and mighty kings to us, he will do so again. Moshe guides the Jewish people to conquer Canaan slowly and systematically, so the land will not be overtaken by animals until Bnei Yisrael organize and settle in. When you win and take over their land, burn all of their idols. They are an abomination. And then Moshe clarifies, and this is so important, and if you look on our sheets, for those of you listening online, those of you watching in our description, in our description, you'll see the uh, the link for these sheets. Moshe clarifies, we bolded these words, very important. Moshe clarifies that the commandments of the Torah aren't a pick-and-choose proposition. The entire Torah must be, must be observed, and it isn't open to partial observance. So it, the Torah is a, an entire package. Now, we're going to talk about this in our notes, in our important lessons, that one of the big fundamental principles of the Torah need to be clarified in this, in that it's all, not all or nothing. We'll see what that means shortly. Moshe reminds Bnei Yisrael, the Jewish people, that the good land of flowing milk and honey has several, seven special species. Wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, and dates. And has unnatural blessing. But cautions not to become haughty and attribute success and prosperity to their own doings. Remember, In the 40 years in the wilderness, you were sustained through the miracles of Hashem that Hashem brought you. In your land, it'll be no different. All your success comes from Hashem. Moshe warns of the dangers of becoming complacent and overly confident and commands the mitzvah of Birkas Amazon, the grace after the meals, thanking Hashem for the manna that He serves us daily. So the manna didn't only happen in the desert. Every single one of us, you enjoy a coffee in the morning, we enjoy our food in the morning, guess what? That's mana that Hashem delivers to us through the success of our livelihood, through the success of however, whatever means we are able to attain that food, that sustenance. Remember, that's mana too. Never forget that. And that's why we have a blessing. We'll talk more about this in the important lessons segment. Moshe, calls, Moshe recalls how the Jewish nation is a stiff-necked nation and unworthy of inheriting the land due to the many sins in the desert, primarily the sin of the golden calf. Moshe recounts the second tablets, Aaron's passing, and the elevation status of the Levites as Hashem's ministers. Hashem is only going to give you the inheritance of the land because of his promise he made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There's a very close link here to our success, to our prosperity, and the promises that Hashem made to our ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What does Hashem want from us? This is actually a verse in the Torah. What does Hashem want from us? To fear Him, go in His ways, love Him, serve Him with all your heart and soul, follow the commandments, they are good for you, they are beneficial for you. And then look how your ancestors descended. Seventy souls went into Egypt. And now they're like the stars. We're hundreds of thousands. All from 70 souls. 
And then Moshe describes the nature of the Holy Land that is responsive to our level of holiness. And our actions, you do good, you get good. You do not good, God forbid, we get not good. In the second, and this is the second portion of the Shema that we read daily, uh, multiple times. And the Parsha concludes with a promise of unparalleled success when we follow the ways of the Torah. My dear friends, that's the summary of this week's Parsha. But now we begin with some of the important messages, the important lessons that we need to derive from this week's Parsha. So the first thing we need to know, and our sages talk a lot about this, this week's Parsha, the name is Ekev. Ekev means the heel. You know, the heel has a lot of callus. Why does it have callus? Because we use our heel a lot. And in order to protect the skin of our heel, Hashem made it that it becomes stronger to protect itself. But what else happens when we step on things with our heel? We don't feel it as much because we have all that protection. Our sages tell us, the Torah is reminding us here the mitzvahs that are easy mitzvahs, that are simple mitzvahs. Don't take them lightly. The mitzvahs that you trample on, so to speak, the mitzvahs that are normal, habitual, regular, ordinary mitzvahs, we're like, eh, it's not such a big deal. Remember, those mitzvahs are the most important for us to maintain our relationship with God and to never say, oh, this is a small mitzvah, not so important. This is a big mitzvah, important. The Mishnah tells us, don't ever say, this mitzvah is valuable, that mitzvah is less valuable. Because we don't know the value of mitzvahs. We don't know. We think, oh, wow, the mitzvah of standing up for an elderly person, that's an important mitzvah. But the mitzvah of Shabbos, eh, it's okay. It comes around every week. It's not a big deal. You don't know the value. No one, no one knows the value of a mitzvah. Therefore, treat every mitzvah like it's gold. It's the, you think about it like this. They say that in business, treat every lead, every lead that comes your way, treat, treat it like it's a gold mine. Why? Because you never know. It might be. It might just be the one that strikes gold. You never know. When it comes to the mitzvahs, we have to treat every mitzvah like this is the most precious mitzvah in the entire Torah. Because we don't, we do not know the value of mitzvahs. Nowhere in the Torah does it say a list, oh, this is more important, this is less important, this is more important, this is less, no such thing. Now, we do find that there are mitzvahs that are referred to in the Talmud, that if you fulfill this mitzvah, it's like you fulfilled all the mitzvahs in the Torah. There's seven mitzvahs that it says about this idea that following those seven, performing those seven mitzvahs is as if you fulfilled the entire Torah. But there's a reason for that as well. But that doesn't mean that it takes precedence over other mitzvahs. Every mitzvah is a treasure. Every mitzvah is a gold mine. And don't ever belittle or, or come to a conclusion in your own mind that, oh, this mitzvah is important, that one's not important. So that's number one. Number two is we said that it's not pick and choose. It's an entire package. The entire Torah 
is one big gift that Hashem gave us. And it's not pick and choose. You can't say, you know what, I like this mitzvah, so I'm going to observe it. I don't like that mitzvah, so I'm not going to observe it. Because the, the we, we discussed this numerous times in our classes here. This one fundamental principle we need to understand. Every mitzvah brings us closer to Hashem. Imagine, imagine the following. A young man found this beautiful woman he wants to marry. And he has only one way of expressing his love. He buys her flowers. You got to write a card. You got to take her on a vacation. You got to take her out for dinner. There's many different facets of expressing that love. You can't just be monotonous and say, oh, flowers, flowers. Guess what? It's your birthday. Guess what? I got you flowers. Get some jewelry. Get her a nice watch. Buy her nice clothes. The Torah gives us the full spectrum of the way we should treat our spouse by the way we treat Hashem. It's multifaceted. So if a person says, you know what, I, I relate to this mitzvah, so I'm going to observe this mitzvah. This mitzvah I don't relate to, so I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to observe it. It's the equivalent of someone saying, look, my wife loves eating dairy, but I don't like dairy, so I'm not going to take her to a dairy restaurant. Because it's all, it's all what's in it for me. Well, that's not the way we express our love. The way we express our love is by what is meaningful to the recipient. Even if it's not enjoyable for me. So what, we're tr- what we need to understand here is that every mitzvah is precious. Every single mitzvah. So now you're going to say, well, Rabbi, you've said numerous times that it's not all or nothing. So when he's saying you can't pick and choose, well, the Torah tells us that in this week's parsha you can't. It's one big package, kol hamitzvah, the entire package of the Torah. So let me introduce you to a concept. I've had many people tell me over the years, Rabbi, well, I'm a Reformed Jew, so it's okay. It's not relevant to me. So that's a big mistake. The fact that I don't observe a mitzvah doesn't mean that it's not a mitzvah. You know, we said this recently, you know, Golda Meir said, the synagogue that I don't go to is an Orthodox synagogue. What does that mean? That means, in her understanding, which I personally agree with, I know what the right way to do things is, but I'm not there yet. But I'm not going to change the rules because I'm not there yet. Meaning, okay, meaning, if let's say a person is not eating kosher, does that mean that kosher is not a thing? No, kosher is the right thing to do. I personally am not there yet. But I'm not changing the fact that this is not what God wants me to eat. Is, is that understood? So there's a difference between saying, look, I aspire to be there. Maybe one day I'll get there. But don't change the rules. Understand that it's part of the package. It's part of the entire Torah. It comes in one beautiful package. I may not be there to perform all of them yet. I may never get there. 
but don't pull out the rules and say, that doesn't apply to me anymore. It applies. And God is very patient and God is very loving and God commands us to take a step. Every person take your step, the right perfect step for you. No one is telling you you have to do everything today. But take a step, a single step in your relationship with God. Okay? So it's important for us to remember, Judaism is not all or nothing. If a person says, well, it's so hypocritical. Why should I go to synagogue if I'm not eating kosher anyway? I don't do anything else Jewish. Like it's so hypocritical for me to even make believe like I'm being religious. That's not true. Every step a person takes in their connection with God, in the observance of the Torah and its mitzvot, is the most precious thing in the world. It's not everything. So who said you have to do everything? We don't tell a child who just starts to walk, run, let's go, run the marathon. No, 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 no. Take a step and take another step and take another step. And when you're In 10 years, 20 years, when you're comfortable walking and you have balance and everything is in order and you're strong and you're healthy, then you can start talking about running a marathon. But we have to take a step. And that's where we're at. Our job is to take a step. So, in this week's Parsh, we have something which is so phenomenal. The verse, chapter 8, Verse 3 says, what sustains you? Is it the bread or is it the word of God? Now, let me just introduce you to this idea, this concept. Have you ever had a massive bowl of salad and meat or chicken, a big, you're eating so much and you're not satiated. You're like, I'm still hungry. Ever wonder why? You have other times where you just take a little bite, and you're like, I'm full already. How does that work? If one plus one equals two, then when you eat a certain quantity of food, you should feel full. You should feel satiated. But that's not the case. You know why? Because food isn't what sustains you. It's the word of Hashem that sustains you. And if you look in the beautiful Torah, chapter 8, verse number 3 in Deuteronomy, Not by bread alone does man live. Rather, by everything that emanates from the mouth of God does man live. Our sustenance comes by the word of Hashem. Yeah, you know know what Rothschild, one of the great Rothschilds said, you know something, he was so wealthy. He said, one thing I know for sure, I'll never die from hunger. It turns out he died from hunger. You know how? He was locked in his own safe with all of his gold, all of his riches. The door closed and locked and he couldn't get out. And nobody knew that he was locked in there. And he ended up dying from hunger. And he wrote with his own blood on the wall of the safe inside, I am the same Rothschild that said, I will never die from hunger. We are sustained by the word of Hashem, not by the bread. All the money in the world, 
you're locked in a safe. It's not going to help you. We have to understand that every drop of sustenance that we have in our lives comes from Hashem's blessing. And what we ask for every day in our prayers is for Hashem's blessing. And the more we're able to connect with that, the more we're able to realize that everything is a blessing from Hashem, the more enriched we'll feel every day. Our closeness with Hashem shouldn't come from the food. It's from recognizing where does that food come from? Who gives us that food? Who gives us that blessing? Who sustains us? Hashem sustains us. And that's what we're grateful for. We're grateful and we're thankful every day for the blessings that Hashem gives us, that Hashem, the bounty that Hashem showers us with. And the more we recognize that, and that's the next part of our important lessons, is the grace after meals. Moshe introduced the Jewish people, ve'achalta, ve'savata, uve'rachta. You eat and you become satiated, God willing, from your food, but don't forget to give thanks. So there's a rabbi who told me he was once he was once going to give a class to a bunch of executives in New York City. The executives were in the boardroom and the meeting was running late. So he sat in the, in the waiting room in the office and uh, he just quickly washed his hands. He pulled out a sandwich and said a blessing before eating. And then the woman, the secretary behind the counter, she was an Indian woman from India. And she says, you know, in our faith, we also bless for food. Like, don't think you're so special. We also bless before we eat food. So he said, but you know what we do? We also bless after we eat, not only before we eat. Like, imagine a child. A child wants a lollipop. So what does he do? He says, please, 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 can I have the lollipop? Can I have the lollipop? Finally, they get the lollipop. What do they do when they get the lollipop? They run away. Why? Because giving thanks after you eat, after you, after you get something, after you enjoy something, you feel like this debt of gratitude, like I owe something. I don't want to owe anything. What do we do? We recognize that we do owe to the Almighty. Thanks. So what do, how do we deal with that? We stop before we get up from our meal and we say thank you to Hashem. Now, we have six different blessings before we eat, and we have three different blessings after we eat. So it's important for us to know we have a blessing for bread, we have a blessing for wine, we have a blessing for pastries and cakes, we have a, a blessing for things that grow from the tree, we have a blessing that things from the, that grow from the ground, and we have a blessing for things that don't grow from the ground, but grow above the ground, like meat and chicken and, and sugar and eggs, all of those things. That's the sixth blessing. We have six blessings before we eat, and we have three blessings after we eat. Depending on what it is that you eat is the blessing that you recite after. So if someone recites, someone eats bread, they'll recite the Hamotzi Lechem in Haaretz. But then after they eat, they'll recite the entire Birkat Amazon, the grace after meals which is three different blessings of thanks. Then we have, if we eat pastries or drink wine, 
or eat of the seven fruits of the land of Israel, which we mentioned previously, the wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, or dates, then we recite an abbreviated grace after meals. It's much shorter. It's only one blessing, but includes the three blessings of the grace after meals. And if a person eats of a fruit, a vegetable, or any of the other things like chicken or meat or eggs, things like that, then they recite a very short blessing of Borei Nefashos. It's important for us to know these blessings. It's important for us to familiarize ourselves with these blessings. And we're going to get to it, God willing, when we do our prayer series, we're going to get to these blessings and we're going to learn them and we're going to hopefully be able to internalize the the gratitude that we want to show the Almighty every time we eat. We, What's the purpose of it all? Hashem needs our thanks? No. Hashem doesn't need our thanks. Hashem doesn't need us to say thank you. Hashem doesn't need us to say please either. It's for us. It's for us. So that we learn what it means to be grateful people. That we learn not to be haughty. To remember that everything is from Hashem. We need to put ourselves in a situation where we recognize everything is a gift from Hashem. The minute we recognize that, our relationship with God is on a whole different level. It's important for us. Hashem is not sitting there crying, saying, oh, why didn't you play? Why didn't you pray? Why didn't you bless me for the food? It's for us. It's for our benefit. Like we said at the end of this week's parsha, do it, do the entire Torah, perform the mitzvahs because it's for your benefit. We cannot become arrogant. We cannot allow ourselves to become complacent, to feel like, it's my strength, it's my might, the might of my hand that made me all this wealth. That's the worst place for a person to be, where they think that everything is their strength. Now, we mentioned that there were three reasons that the Jewish people were not going to inherit the land. But we did. Right? We were not going to deserve it. Hashem says, look, you sinned in front of me so many times in the desert. You don't deserve the land. But I'm going to give it to you for these three reasons. Number one, because Hashem promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hashem promised that he's going to give their descendants, us, the land of Israel. So that's number one. Hashem promised it, and when Hashem promises, he keeps his word. Number two is that it would be a tremendous desecration of Hashem's name. Because the nations of the world are going to say, God, you can't even take care of your own people? That would be a terrible thing. So Hashem needed to follow through. And the last is that Moshe begged Hashem to forgive us. So what is the power of forgiveness? What is it? What does it do? So 
I, I say this Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur time because we talk a lot about repentance and a lot about asking forgiveness for all the mistakes that we may have made over the year. It's something which is very important for us to know, the difference between man and God. You know, if someone does something horrible to you, something something really terrible to you, and they realize later on that they did something horrible, and they come and they ask forgiveness. So what do we do? If we find it in our heart, we forgive them. But what happens if they do it again? Oh, one second. <laughs> We're not so easy to forgive a second time. And they come and they beg, please, I'm so sorry, I won't do it again. And they do it a third time. Now what? You see, the way we forgive is contingent on what's going to be in the future. Because we're not dummies, right? You hurt me once, you hurt me twice, you hurt me three times, eventually it just adds up. I'm not going to keep on forgiving. But here's the amazing thing about how God forgives. When God forgives, it is erased completely. It's erased completely. So it's, when we sin a second time, it's not like God says, one second, they, they sinned before. Now they're sinning a, a second time and they're asking forgiveness again. Oh, I'm not going to forgive them a second time. That's not the way it works in God's world. When God forgives, he forgets. Is that amazing? When Hashem forgives, it is erased. They're like, you take a pen and a pencil. You remember those paper-made pen, pens that you can erase with? They never worked, right? They never worked. They always left a marking on the paper, right? So you, you try to erase the pen. It didn't work. But what happens when you try to erase a pencil? You can remove everything that was written. There's nothing left. It's gone. When Hashem forgives us, there is nothing remaining. It's gone. That's how much Hashem loves us. Hashem says when you are sincere and you're asking for forgiveness, you know what happens? You know what happens? It's gone. It's completely removed, erased. There's nothing left. But that's, and by, but that's what we need to learn of how to forgive. When we forgive, it should be that it is gone. It is erased. They do it 10 more times. It's not that each time it adds on to the previous. But the previous time is over. It's history. And now they did it again. It's a new, it's a new account. Hard to get to that level. Moshe begged God to forgive us. You know what God did? It was erased. Erased doesn't mean... Oh, you remember what you did last time to me? No, no, there's no memory. It's over. It's erased. By the way, when we see in these, these week's Torah portions that we're recalled of all of our mistakes, it's Moshe doing the recollection, not God. Moshe brings it to our attention. He says, guys, don't forget. You made mistakes before. Don't do it again. But Hashem forgave us. And when Hashem forgives, it's forgotten. That doesn't mean that Hashem is stupid. God forbid. Hashem is not silly. And Hashem is like, oh, he's just like, you know, 
whatever, whatever happens, happens. No, 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 no. Hashem has an account. But when a person is sincere and genuine in their repentance, it's completely, completely erased and removed. Hashem should bless us all that we should be at that level where all of our sins are removed and then we're on a clean slate. By the way, the the Talmud says that there's a way to get there, by the way. Aside for us personally working hard and correcting our ways, the Talmud says that anyone who's publicly humiliated and doesn't respond to that humiliation is forgiven of all their sins. Very powerful. They're forgiven of all their sins. Why? So we know it's a very important principle. Death eliminates all of our sins because we're dead. Nobody wants to die. That pain is an atonement for all of the sins. That in itself. So when someone is embarrassed, our sages tell us it's the equivalent of death. When someone is embarrassed, they turn all pale, their blood leaves their, their face, so to speak. It says it's spilling their blood. They don't respond. They don't answer back. They accept that pain. They accept that humiliation. That action is is so precious and so valuable, it's equivalent to removing all the sins from a person. So Hashem should bless us that we should attain such a level but hopefully we don't need to be embarrassed. We should do it without the embarrassment, without the humiliation. Okay. So the Torah tells us, chapter 10, verse 12 and 13, after all, what does Hashem want from you? What does Hashem want from us? Ve'ati Yisrael. And now, Israel, what does Hashem your God ask of you? What does Hashem? Okay, bottom line, just tell me, what does God want? Here's, listen to this. Only to fear Hashem your God, to go in all his ways and to love him and to serve Hashem your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. To observe the commandments of Hashem and his decrees, which I command you today for your benefit. What does the Torah tell us? What is the big deal? What is the... every Okay. Bottom line, Rabbi, tell me what to do. What does God want from me? It's just these two verses. That's it. Chapter 10, verse 12 and verse 13. That's it Hashem wants from us. Okay? It's fear Him, go in His ways, love Hashem, serve Hashem, and follow Hashem. Five things. So what does it mean to fear Hashem? What do you mean to fear Hashem? Most, th- most people think of fear as what? Hiding under a table. I'm terrified. I'm frightened. Oh my goodness, I'm so scared. That's not what fear means. Yira comes from the same word as ri'iyah. The same letters. Ri'iyah means to see. Yira means to have fear. Sages tell us it's so important to have a proper perspective of God. Is God my friend? No, he's the creator of heaven and earth. Put things into perspective. The first thing you need to have is perspective. It's like a child who doesn't realize that they're a prince in a king's palace. 
very different the way you act in a palace than the way you act in a uh, in a dorm room. Very different. Got to be careful. You're in a palace. You're in the White House. You have to act with dignity. What we need in our relationship with God, step number one, put things into perspective. You have to have the right understanding of your place. Yira means not to be in trepidation, but rather to have the proper perspective of our relationship with God. Recognize God as creator of heaven and earth. God sees everything we do. God hears everything we say. God knows all of our thoughts. That's a whole different picture now. That's a whole different picture. God sees everything. God knows everything. The minute we have the right perspective, ah, now we can get into the next step. Go in his ways. How does Hashem act? You want to know the proper way to act? Think of how Hashem acts. Hashem is forgiving. This is a commandment in the Torah to go in the ways of Hashem. To be godly. This is our responsibility. You know that you have the word Adama. Our sages tell us why is man called Adam, Adam? Because he comes from the earth, from the Adama. Sages tell us if you change the vowels of that word Adama, it's Adame. Adame means to emulate. Our job, and this is in our commandment in, in verse 12 here, chapter 10, Deuteronomy, is to emulate God. God is forgiving, you're forgiving. God is patient, you're patient. God is loving, you're loving. If you're ever stuck in a bind, what should I do? Think for a second. What would God do? What does God want me to do? Now, that can't be in isolation, meaning a person has to understand and have a relationship with God to know what God would want. Oh, does God want me to eat this food? Hey, he just wants me to sustain my body, so I should eat whatever it is. <laughs> Let's learn what God wants. How do we know that? Look at Hashem's Torah. Go in His ways. In Hashem's ways. Hashem guides us in His Torah exactly how He wants us to perform our, ourselves every single day. How to perform in our lives every single day. And then is to love Hashem. What do you do when you love someone? How do you love someone? You love someone, you give to someone. Before, in order to love them, and then when you love them, you want to give them more. You ask parents with special needs children and with non-special needs children, which one do you love more? The one with special needs. Why? Because they give so much more to that child. Because there's so much more giving to that child, their love for their child is so much more. The more you give to something, the more you love. And the more you love, the more you give. The word for love, ahava, comes from the word hav, which means to give. It's both before and after. If you want to love someone, give to them. 
The more you give, you'll grow in your love for them. The more you love someone, the more you'll end up giving to them. It goes after the fact as well. So when Hashem says love in His Torah, that we should love Hashem, to love Hashem, what does that mean? By the way, that's a commandment that we say in the Shema. We learned this last week in Parshas Va'eschanam. When we say the Shema, we say, Hashem You shall love Hashem your God. What does it mean to love Hashem? This is exactly it. Love means invest in your relationship with God. You're not going to suddenly have an epiphany one day like, Oh, oh, I love Hashem. Communicate with God. Talk to God. This we do every time we eat, like we learned today. And every time before we eat and after we eat. And if you don't know the verses, you don't know the prayers, just talk it out with your words. With your own words, with your own heart. Thank you, Hashem, for this food, for this sustenance, for this bread, for these cookies, for this delicious coffee. And then after you're done, don't be like a child who runs away. Hashem, I enjoy this so much. Thank you. I guarantee you if we do this for one week, our level of love that we will have for Hashem, our Creator, will be extraordinary. Every day to talk to Hashem. Just before we eat and after we eat. Step one. We're not talking about morning prayers and afternoon prayers and evening prayers. Just this step. Thanking Hashem before we eat and thanking Hashem after. Not rushing not busy cleaning off the table, just to focus. Understand that Hashem is there. Hashem gives it to us because He wants the relationship. Hashem loves a relationship. Hashem doesn't need it. He loves it. Okay. And then we have to serve Hashem and to follow Hashem. So this, these things I recommend, as I do every week, look in the Chumash. Read from the Torah. This week's Torah portion is exceptional in the story. It's so riveting. The second parsha of the Shema, our mission statement, is in this week's parsha, and that's towards the end of the parsha. And like we said, you do good, you get good. You do not so good, perhaps you get not so good. This is a theme we see through the entire Torah. There's the concept of reward and punishment. And if you read the words of the second portion of the Shema, im Shemar, and if you listen to my commandments and you follow in my ways, I'm going to give you such incredible blessing and you'll have incredible bounty and you'll have unbelievable things. But if you don't, Hashem will get upset at you and he's going to withhold the reins and he's going to withhold the success and he's going to withhold all of those blessings that are coming your, that are meant to come your way. It's in our hands. It's our We have the ability to determine our success by how committed we are. But I want to leave off with one incredible reality. The end of this week's parsha tells us about Startup Nation. Who's Startup Nation? Israel. You go to Israel today, the most incredible science, the most incredible technology, the most incredible medicine, all 
Israeli inventions. It's the most remarkable thing. But where does it come from? It's promised in this week's Parsha, where Hashem says that if you do my thing, I will make you so incredibly successful more than any other nation. Do you know that in South Korea, they started learning Talmud? They start teaching in school, they started teaching Talmud. Why are they teaching Talmud in South Korea? Not in Jewish day schools, regular public schools. Because they said the Jewish people are so brilliant. They're so incredible. There must be a a reason for this. There must be a source for this wisdom, for this ingenuity. Where is it coming from? What are they learning? Oh, they're learning Talmud. We're going to teach our children Talmud. But that's not the way it works. Because there's something like we mentioned earlier. There's something that happens to the Jewish people that is abnormal. And that is we have special blessings from Hashem. The land of Israel does not operate by the normal laws of nature. The land of Israel operates above the laws of nature. Both in the positive and, heaven forbid, in the negative as well. We don't operate by the regular laws of nature. If we follow the word of Hashem, Hashem says you'll see blessing that doesn't make sense. One plus one doesn't equal two anymore. It equals whatever Hashem wants it to be. Why? Because Hashem said so. And the nations of the world, they're going to look, they're going to be like, one plus one equals two. And in Israel, it doesn't. One plus one equals whatever Hashem wants it to be. The blessing The bounty has a condition. Hashem says, if we're in a relationship, you get that blessing. So what's going to be the question? Well, you're telling me that only good people have success? I see plenty of evil people having success. I see people who are doing terrible things and they have unbelievable success. And this was a question that who asked? Moshe. Moshe asked this question to God. God says, you're not going to be able to understand everything. You're not going to be able to understand everything. But as far as it relates to us, to each and every one of us, if we look at our lives, we will see how every single time God was there for us and he took care of it in the best way possible. And that's what we need to remember constantly. Hashem is always there to help us, to assist us, to guide us. Hashem should bless us all with unbelievable success that we should merit to not only have fear of Hashem, to have the right perspective, not only to love Hashem and to give as much as we can in our relationship with Hashem, but to feel that love in return because it's guaranteed that when we are selfless for the Almighty, Hashem pays us back 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times more. Hashem should bless us all that we should merit to feel and to live in that success, in that relationship with Hashem. Thank you and have a great Shabbos.